Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Being church. Last, two weeks ago, Pastor Cameron and I had the chance to visit uh, England, where we spent about a week ministering at different places. And one of the main one of the main places that we stayed was this town called Harlow, uh, which is a suburb of London. And we stayed with these pastors named Brian and Mary Spencer. Now these guys were just incredible people, incredible family, incredible hosts. So just to give you a couple instances of what I mean by that. We get there, we arrive, uh, they pick us up from the train station at around 8.30 p.m., drive back to their house, and we get to the house, and there is a, a amazing fresh-cooked meal ready for us when we get there. And I, nor Cameron, had any part in making that meal. Right, obviously, we just could get picked up. And then we, we go to our rooms, and the beds are made. And I didn't make the bed. And then, and then we look over, and then on the, on the dresser, there's towels that are folded with, with little washcloths that are folded very nicely. And I didn't fold those towels, nor did I make the bed. We come down in the morning for breakfast, and there was all the, all the, the table was set. The bowls were on the table, the spoons were on the table, all the different things were in the middle of the table. They were all there when we, when we came down the stairs. Everything was ready for us. When we got there, we did nothing except for say thank you over and over and over again because we were their guests. So what I'm getting at is the difference between what, what, are, your, what are your roles and responsibilities when you're a part of a family and, then, and what's the difference between that, between that and, and a guest, right? These things happened, but we were not a part of them. Like, we were not a part of getting the things done, but there were things that happened that we got to benefit from. There were, there were, there were chores that were done. There were things that were prepared. There were, there were aspects of our experience that were, that were amazing that we had nothing to do with, but that were done for us. And so the point I'm making is that it's family that did those things. When it comes to the roles and responsibilities of, of, of in-house work, of getting things done. There's a big difference between family and guests, right? This idea of family is what we want to look at today. Uh, last week, we, we had an amazing service. For those of you who were here, it was, I just really was impacted by, by last Sunday here at Nichols. And we, uh, we had a couple things happen, which is why it was amazing. So, during both first and second service, we had baptisms. We had four people get baptized, which was amazing. Uh, everyone who got baptized, I'm so thankful that you made that decision, that you were here for that. And then we had six people become members. Six people become members of New Day. And that's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And we're excited. We're, we welcome you into the family. When, when I say members, like this is, this is important. What do I mean when I say Members. Is, is very different from like a country club. where So a country club, you, come, you become a member of a country club, you pay a buttload of money to this, to this club. And then 
you expect that everything is done for you. Like, you get to the course, and the expectation is that the that the that the fairways are mowed in a in a hatch p- pattern, and you get and you expect that the greens are are mowed and they're very nice and the ball rolls rolls smoothly, like you expect that the that the sprinklers are turned off on the appropriate holes because you're you don't want to get wet, all these things happen because you paid money because you are a member of the of the country club you're expecting that things are done for you when you're a member of a family, it's very different, right? When you're a member of a family, you do the things, and you pay the money, and you do the things. You are the lawn crew, and you're the one who, who dishes out the cash. You do all the things when you're a part of a family. One, one person or another, something, someone does the things, and it's, and it's the family that sees to it that those things are done. And it's, and it's the children, as they grow up in, in a household, we're talking about an ideal, just general family structure, the children, they increase in responsibility. Like Junia, our three-year-old, she does nothing helpful. Well, she, she makes the messes, and we clean them up. She's amazing. We love her. I'm just saying, she, she makes the messes, and we clean them up. And so, but when she, as she gets older, like if in 10 years from now, if she's still doing the same things that she's doing as a three-year-old, I'm going to be, and we are going to be quite concerned and hopefully do something uh, to address this. Like, after service, she may be screaming because she wants a sucker. In 10 years from now, if she's still screaming at the top of her lungs that she wants a sucker, right, that's, there's a, that's aspect is, is maturity. Family sets you up for maturity. In, in, the, in the context of family, people grow up. Like, that's what happens. Right? And, and there's love, and there's identity, and there's belonging, but it's also a structure where people are able to grow into who they are. They're able to grow up into who God's called them to be. And so this idea of the church as family is what we want to talk about today. The church as a family that sets you up for both personal maturity but also the whole of us maturing together to look more and more like Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about, right? It's God the Father. God sent Jesus into the world to redeem sons and daughters to himself who recognized the work of the cross on their behalf, who would say, wow, through no effort of my own, I've become a child of God to the eternal Father, and he's now called me to make, to make him known, to make the Father known to the world so that more sons and daughters could become aware of, of who their Father is. This whole thing is about family. And so what we're going to talk about today is this idea that a family is a big deal, the church is family, and that the church is the way in which God grows us up. The church is the way in which, like we all, we're all about personal formation and, and self-improvement and, and, and getting better at such and such. The church is God's strategy to, to grow you to look like Jesus. It's the, it's the church. It's being a part of the family of God. That's, what, that's God's strategy to grow you, to look like Jesus. It's, nothing, it's not something you can do on your own. So, the business of family, being church, why we do what we do. We want to look at a passage in Ephesians 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. In this letter, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's, and he's, he's intending, it seems, for this letter to be circulated among more than just this church. The letter carries a sort of uh, general weightiness to it that the, that's applicable to not just one instance happening in, a, in one isolated church, but it's, it's applicable to the, all the churches of that period in that region for them to, that need, they need to know these things. And, and one of the main things Paul seems to be getting at in this letter is this idea of identity formation. <clears throat> what does it mean for these, for, the, for these churches? What does it mean for the church in Ephesus and surrounding regions to be in Christ? What does that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? And how, what kind of transformation, both personally and corporately, should you expect to happen from your being in Christ? And so, let's read through uh, a couple of these verses in Ephesians 4. So, verses 11 through 16. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by, 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 way, ev by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So there's a little bit of logic here, but did you catch the family language? At several points throughout, he's, he's using language that's familiar to a family environment. Right? <clears throat> Children carried about, growing up into, into adulthood or manhood is what he calls it. Um, the, the whole body causing the growth of the body, growing up in all aspects. These are all terms that, that, that are familiar to a family environment. Now, I realize that when I say family, you may or may not have a positive idea in your head. Just in reality, like many of us, some of us at least, but many of us don't come from very functional families. We come from very dysfunctional families, broken families even, families that are, that are potentially even abusive. And, and so the idea of family doesn't seem to be like an attractive, like, I don't, have an, I don't have a grid for what you're saying when you say family. And so I just want to be clear. What I mean by family is, is kingdom family. Like, we, we're saying we want to see your kingdom here in that, in that past song. It's this idea of we want to see the, the culture of the kingdom of that, that, that influences the family of the church come into our environment. We want to come into into this church. It's, it's God's heart as a father for sons and daughters to be restored unto him, but also to be reconciled to each other as brothers and sisters. When you look in the New Testament, the idea, we talk about discipleship. 
as a church. We're talking, we have discipleship track that we're starting in a few weeks, and, or in a few days, actually. The idea of the word disciple doesn't actually... It, it's, the word doesn't appear after the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts. And those four, five books, the word disciple is all, the, all over the place. Jesus has his disciples and he tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. But then the language shifts. And throughout the rest of the New Testament, you do not see one instance of the word disciple. It's interesting, right? What takes its place, you could, you could, I, you could kind of notice is this idea of family. That the church is a family. That, that, that the people that I'm in relationship with in the church are brothers and sisters. And that God is our Father and that Jesus is our older brother, but he's also our, our Savior and our mediator. And Jesus looks like the Father and we're to look like Jesus because he represents the Father. And there's this family language that we see. I'm going to look at a few, few passages here. Just a snapshot throughout the New Testament. There's so many instances, but a couple verses here to, to get us familiar with the language of the New Testament. John 1, 12, But as many as receive him, that's Jesus, as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Ephesians two nineteen. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Galatians 3.26 So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. Colossians 1.2 To the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you. If you, if you look into it, you can see just potentially hundreds of instances where, where, the, where the language of the New Testament is, of, the, of the early church was, was, a, was a self-understanding of, of, of family. Like, you're my brother, be, not because of my natural bloodline, but because of my supernatural bloodline. There's something about identifying with Jesus that supersedes even the structure of, of the natural family that identifies us with the, with the family of God that's, that's, that's bought with the blood of Jesus, and now it's, it's Jesus' blood. It's the bloodline of Jesus that now has the, is is the is the is the the line by which we measure our family. It's not it's not a disregard for your natural family, but it's a it's a recognition that in Christ there's something that happens and with the idea of family that's what's broad and that, that taps into the eternal heart of God for your life. You know, so but the reality is, family is quite messy. If you were to hit the button on and open our, car, our van door, you would see a couple things. But you'd see chaos. You'd see chaos, right? I mean, we only have two kids. You see clean diapers, and you see dirty diapers. You'd see crumbs, and you'd see half-eaten sandwiches, and then four or five cups around the car, half-drink. Like, family's messy. Like, it's just, it just is. And in fact, we try to hide it. 
Like, and we do a pretty good job. We try to hide it. We have guests coming over. We do whatever we can to make the house a bit more presentable, a bit less messy. Because the reality of the mess is a little bit too much for these guests. We don't want to overload them with the reality of, of our own chaos. And so we have, to, we have to clean up, throw some things under the bed, under the couch, just kind of throw everything in the dishwasher even though it's not even stacked. Whatever it is, we, we go through great lengths to, to make our lives look less messy than they really are. But, to, but when we can, when we, if you think about it, like you, in, any, in any family, there's, there's mess involved. And not just physical mess like crumbs and crackers, but like relational mess, like offense and judgment and hatred and animosity and confusion and awkwardness and, and stages of maturity that are hard to deal with and all of these things that happen in the context of family. And I, I just feel like the Lord wants to shift our perspective as a church to not see to begin to see this, this place as a family, not just in theory, but in, but, but in what it demands of us. Like family, family <laughs> requires something of you that, that being a passive recipient of information does not. But the church is family. And so the, the family of God requires to be a part of what God is doing in the world that requires something more of you than I think sometimes we realize is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we don't realize, like, yeah, the idea is great. Like, oh, family, there's warmth, there's love, there's hugs, and it's good. And, but when you think about, okay, what, is, what, is, what does that require of me? Like, what does that ask of me and my time and resources and, and my life? Then, then, it, then it gets a little clunky, and we can kind of get lost in translation. So what I want to do is, is just look through this passage and think about the way that that messy is not the opposite of healthy in in the in kingdom family like messy is not the opposite like healthy family and the reality of the mess can coexist quite well because God recognizes that he's asking a bunch of redeemed but still yet un unperfected, broken people to come together to try to operate as family who sometimes have a hard enough time with their own nuclear family and just take it a next step and say, now, now I want you all to be one family together. It's a lot that he asks of us. And he, he, I think he realizes, I know that he's, he's aware of the ask. He's aware of what is happening, and he, and he sends his spirit, he sends the, the gifts that Christ gives to each of us to equip us to do the work that, 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 that's required for family to happen as a church. So, let's keep moving. The church is family, and, and it's, it's God's plan, it's God's design for the church to be the place where you as an individual, but also where as we corporately grow up and mature. So, that's what I just said. The church is God's mechanism by which your personal and our collective maturity happens. So I want to just kind of take that same passage we read earlier and, 
and take it a bit slower and, uh, and look through what it seems to be saying. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So what is, what is the leadership of a church supposed to do? Equip, equip the saints. The saints are y- you. The saints are the holy, that word is holy ones. The ones who are set apart by Jesus. The ones who are, who are called by his name and, and given a new spirit. It's to equip the saints for the work of service. For the work of ministry. That word is like the most general word he could have used. It's the work of doing everything. This leader, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, their goal, their primary function, the gift, the reason God's given those gifts is to equip the saints to do everything. It doesn't mean that they don't do anything, hopefully. No, it means that, that, that there's, there's a distribution of responsibility that happens in a family that says, no, it's not all me or, or anyone else doing the things, and then you, you just kind of recognize it and say, wow, that'd be a guest posture, right? I, I come down to the dinner to the dinner table. I'm like, wow, this is an amazing meal. Who cooked this? Like, I don't really care. It's thank you. No, we, as a family, these things get done. If you think about the family, the, the house analogy with meals and made beds and folded clothes, all these things. Think about yourself as you, you have your own homes. You you know, you live your own lives. You know you do things. Like you you have a certain responsibility of certain things that need to be done. And, and if you have children, as they get older and older, there's more and more appropriate level of, of responsibility given to them for them to self-initiate, for them to take their own responsibility, their own ownership over certain things. How can we, how can we see that as a church and make room for, for the younger in the faith to, to rise up in, in levels of maturity and for the, for the older in the more seasoned Christians to recognize that if I were to call myself a seasoned Christian, that that, that means that I am, I'm, a, I'm a father or I'm a mother in the faith where I'm, I'm pouring out myself to raise up sons and daughters. So depending on your own self-perception of where you're at in your life, either way it demands something, it requires something of you for the functioning of family to happen. <clears throat> so the, 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 the leadership is to, is to distribute, is to Equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to do the work of service. That's internal to the church and that's external. That's everything that the, that the church is doing. We're hopefully setting up ways where you can be equipped, where you know that, that, you, that there's these things you can do, but really just in relationship, you're being equipped more and more to, to make disciples, more and more to, to, to love people, to do justice in the world. These things are, are things that the leadership should be doing to equip you, but that, that still leaves you with a lot to do, which is the work of service. For the building up of the body of Christ. So, so uh, here's a quote from one of the commentators in this passage. He says, The role of leadership is not to do the ministry for the various members of the body while they passively receive, but to help prepare each one of them to actively serve in ways he has gifted them. Again, think, thinking in terms of, of family. 
the goal, one of the main goals of, of, of parenthood is, is to see your children grow and blossom, but also become responsible adults who can take care of themselves, who you still love dearly, but who are at some point on like living adult lives. This is a very fast track. My daughter's three, so but but this is like the idea is that, that there's a vision. How, you, you understand that as a parent, there's there's a progression. <clears throat> so in the church, in the, in the family of God, there's a progression as well. So then, thirteen and fourteen, they're, they're to do this, equipping the saints for the work of service until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. It's interesting. You know, Jesus really speaks highly of the little children. And yet Paul uses the idea in a different way where it's the little children who are the most easily deceived, who are the, who are the, most, the ones who are, who are carried away into, into, into weird, into easily like, innocent and influenceable in, in, in your belief systems. Right? So we're not to be children, but to be mature. When he says mature man, in fact, one chapter later, he talks about the church as, as, as a woman, as a, as a bride, here he says, as a mature man, in both cases, he's talking about, he gi- he's giving us a picture of a complete and whole person. What does it look like for the church to be a complete and whole person? Maturity is what God is after for each one of us, but also for us collectively. And I would argue that as a church, when you, as, as in your self-identity as a Christian, it would be difficult to separate your personal maturity and your relationship with God from the corporate maturity and, and our collective relationship with God. I think we're, we're really good at this. I'm, I, I, can, I can do this very easily when it comes to, to my own self-understanding. I can separate myself, and in, in a sense, remove a certain level of responsibility from the need to, to pour in to people, to, from, from the need to, um, to make, uh, to, 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 to do the work that, that, that's needed to father the people in my life, not just my natural children, but the ones who are under me. So, so this passage here is, he's, there's certain goals, the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, maturity. Not to be children. And then he keeps going, and these are the last two verses that I want to spend a little time on. It says, but, as, as a parent would to a child who, who's, who's in, uh, who, who, needs, who needs correction in a sense, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ. When we think of spiritual development, 
like, really, it's really pretty individualistic. So it's interesting when he says we are to grow up. Like, how can I, like, I, I can grow. Like, I can do the work that it takes for me to, to develop and to, and to grow spiritually. But how, how are we, we to grow? Right, there's this idea in family where, where my, like if I'm a, I'm a parent, if I'm growing but my, ch- my, my children aren't, then we're not growing. Right? If, if I'm getting better at such and such but my children are, 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 are not, if, if Junior stays three, like there's a big issue. And I am taking responsibility for, for not just my own development, but also the development of my children because it, it matters. It, it, it's part of my own self-identity in a sense. And Paul carries this through because he, in, in his other letters, he talks about that he groans with, the, with, the, with the, the pains of childbirth to see Christ formed in the churches. It's this deep sense of ownership and, and parental love that says, I'm not just satisfied if I'm good with God. I want you to grow up into who you're made to be as a child of God. And, and so what would it like, if you think about the people in your life, the people that you have influence over, without getting possessive and controlling, but, but, but are you able to allow God to, to give you a responsibility for the, for the people in this, in this church to see Christ formed in them? Not just in you, but in us. That we all would grow up to look more and more like Jesus. Both individually, but as a, as a collection of people where we collectively look like Jesus. Right? Where, where, the head, where the head, Jesus, is fits on the whole body as it functions. Not just the, not just the finger that, that's really good at waving, but the whole, like the head, which is Jesus, fitting on a moving, fluid body that's functioning together as, as a unit. Every individual part, but as a unit. So that's kind of what he's getting at here. And then verse 16 is fascinating. He says, from Christ, Christ gives these gifts. He gives the, he gives the gifts of, to the leaders, but earlier in the, in, the, in the chapter, he says he gives gifts to everyone. Everyone in the church, he gives gifts. From whom the whole body, the whole church, and he has these, these clauses. That will, so the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplies. So every joint, every member, every person is supplying something based off of what God has given them to do. Every joint is supplying something. According to the proper working of each individual part, every part, is he's saying virtually the same thing in different languages. He's trying to emphasize this idea. Every individual part is playing a role. What does it matter if my biceps get really strong, but it, my, my shoulder can't hold it up. Like, this is weird. The whole body getting stronger. The whole, every individual part getting strengthened. And then he says, the whole body causes the growth of the body. Like there's something, there's something, God believes in the church. And I, I, I know that because of this. There's something innate in the people of God as the family of God, as the church, that causes its own growth. Like, it's, it's like a reverse cancer. It causes its own, it, it replicates itself, it grows itself by, because it says from whom, 
God is, Jesus has given us these gifts, and, and by being the church in operation, in doing what we're called to do, which is what we're looking at for the rest of this series, by being the church, we cause the growth of ourselves. Every member is growing because we're being the church, because every individual part is playing a role. It's not about any one individual part. It's about every piece of the part, of the body, functioning as it was designed to function for the building up of itself in love. This is a crucial ending to this idea because it's the atmosphere of love. It's the context of growth. It's the atmosphere of familial love. That, that's not only the best atmosphere for growth to happen, but it's the end goal of Christian maturity. Right? It's the end goal of you growing up is that you're built up in love is that you're full of, lo- of a mature, Jesus-filled love. And, it's, and it's, it's proven by the love that's shared among the community. That's what proves it. So, so God, believes, God believes in the church. We say, we say in the creed, and I believe in one holy universal and apostolic church. The question is like, what's your perception of church? What's your vision of, like when you think of church, what's, what's your perception? Do you believe, one of the main challenges is here, do you believe in the church as like, I, I, like God does? God believes not just in your personal spirituality, God believes in the church. And he wants to stoke a love for the church in your heart that will cause you to, to rise up, to grow up, and to say there's something way bigger happening here than my personal relationship with God. That's not insignificant. I'm personally saved. I'm per- I personally know God. To what end? To be incorporated into a family where there's function, where there's, yes, there's a mess, but we push through the mess. Yes, there's conflict, but we recognize that Jesus helps us work through the conflict. He empowers us to move past the awkwardness. And yes, there's plenty of, I'm like, I'm really good at being awkward. That's okay. Jesus moves us past the awkward to be family. We need to get used to who we already are. It's, when I say church is family, I'm not saying that necessarily that, that I feel like family with you all. Well, some, some I do, but it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying by definite, like by principle, the church's family. So what does it look like for us to get used to who God says we already are? Well, I can call you brother or sister, or I don't have to, but I can. But, but I don't necessarily feel like your brother or sister. But there's a bloodline that, that determines the fact that you are my brother or sister, and it's Jesus. And so Jesus pulls me to you, and he says, now be family. Be family. One quick story, you know, Chloe and I, before we got married, we did pre-marriage counseling, which was great. Um, we, we, uh, we had it with Seth and Sarah Gerber, and they asked us a question at the end. He's like, well, who's going who's to mow the lawn? Like, who's going to wash the dishes? Who's going to clean the, clean the clothes? And, you know, just the, the, the things that need to get done. And we were like, you know, we, I don't know. I haven't really talked about that. And, and, and we, we started a conversation. But what happens 
is that, like, as, as we got married and as we figured it out, like, none of us, there were certain things that none of us really felt particularly called to that still had to get done. Right? There's certain things that needed to get done that I wasn't super gifted in or passionate about. And, and that's what I want to leave you with. When it comes to the church, as a family, as a household, there's certain things that need to get done. It's not based off of your gifting. You are gifted in certain ways, but that's not the primary thing. The primary thing is that there's things that need to get done. And are you able and willing to take the responsibility to see to it that those things are done? Because that's what it takes for a church to be family, is for the things that need to get done, need to get done. And who's going to do them? Well, we're going to do them. Yes, you and you and you. Like, we're all going to have to do the things. And, and we, as we do the things, we grow up. As we do the things, we begin to take on the, the image of Jesus. As we do not just the maintenance, I'm talking everything the church is called to do. As we do all those things, we begin to more and more look like Jesus. And so this is way bigger than like the serve sign-ups that we do. Yes, we want everyone to sign up to serve, but it's not just so we can fill spots. It's so that you can grow into, into the image of Jesus, not just for yourself, but for the family that you're part of. And so the last thing, I just want to challenge us all. If we could all stand up. I, uh, we, 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 need, we need to get used to who we already are, which is family, which involves some initiative. And so the challenge for each one of us is to take the initiative in, in some area of your life when it comes to your, your church family, to take the initiative and to, and to say, I'm not going to wait for family to happen. I'm going to be family. I'm going to do family with these people because that's what I'm called to do. And that's the mark of Christian maturity. The child waits for things to be done. The parent says, no, things need to be done. I'm going to do it. And so wherever you're at on that, I just want to leave you with that challenge to, to take the initiative. Don't wait for family to happen. Be family. Invite somebody over for, for lunch. Or if you need to clean the house a little bit, invite them over for dinner so they don't have to see the, the real raw Sunday morning house. Right? But invite somebody over. Like, be, like, families, you have to spend time together. It's, like, it's kind of a different angle on community, but it's family. And so, as I pray, I just ask you to challenge, like, pray to God. Like, God, what, what, what's my, like, what, where can I take initiative? Where can I enter into the, the messiness and the brokenness and the, and the awkwardness, but the, the call on my life to engage with family?